Before we get all serious to start the fast lane, Trey, we need to issue, I don't know if it's an apology, the NBA would want us to issue an apology. Tim Donahue just came across our airwaves. Not only that, but in a pro sports betting context. I mean, Ed Ed frequents the recorded line. That's why... Oh, yeah. You know me. I love the recorded line. Can I talk I mean, any more gravity? I guess we're keeping, receipt, keep, keeping receipts tomorrow. Yeah, we might as well just bump it to tomorrow in the fast lane. Okay, because I was going to say is there has been a shakeup. Um, all I, all, all, right, I, all humble brags. Just wait for the humble brags till tomorrow. I'll just say, uh, you know, just imagine the Undertaker meme. That's all I got to say You know, myself. speaking of, you know, sports betting, I'm going to go to my personal consultant. He may or may not be aware this is where it's going. But your colleague at FrenchStretch.com, Stephen Stumpf, is going to help me figure out how to play this 8-1 to one ticket I have on Kyle Larson to win the NASCAR Cup Series Championship this coming weekend at Phoenix. If, I got it months ago, If you ago, listen obviously. to the, the uh, Bring the Heat with Brian Nolan podcast that I'm hosting this week with Adam Cheek, I gave you a really good tip in that. Well, I, you know, I have not listened to it yet. I know. Trey. It comes that, out today. I said if. That's, thank you. Thank I you. said if. I, I mean, I, know I can't it. listen when it's not out, Trey. It's I not, know. I mean, you know. I but, can't make miracles like Ed, this. Ed, you know me, and you know who I'm probably going to pick for the championship, so it's okay. I, I do know who you are, and my only thought is, do I get aggressive and project a guy like Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, or William Byron to get a top three? Lay a little bit of extra juice on that, because historically these championship races have featured multiple Final Four drivers uh, in the top five, usually three to five of that bunch. Maybe you get a surprise here or there, like, ironically enough, last year, Ryan Blaney running second to protect his teammate Joey Logano and help him win the NASCAR championship. But we will pivot away from that and go serious for a brief moment before we go back to NASCAR by getting into the weeds and looking at this in a little more depth momentarily. And that is the Bob Knight legacy. There are certain things that are pretty cut and dry when it comes to people and their legacies. And everybody is flawed as a human being. So it is important to remember that very rarely is anybody a picture-perfect individual because nobody is actually perfect in this world. As a Christian, I believe the only perfect person to have walked this earth happened to be here like two millennial ago, whatever it is, 2,000 years ago. But whatever your belief is, it's a free country. you're, You're welcome to have that thought. I say all that to say... When people are projected to be picture perfect, my first reaction is, okay, what else is there about them that may not be as perfect? Judgment calls, not necessarily the best in X situation or Y situation, because we're all humans and have flaws. Never is that mixed legacy more apparent than the passing of Bob Knight yesterday at the age of 83 and the reaction to it. Because this guy is the guy that embodied how legacies are often much more difficult to put into context than the way they actually are. Because if you look at it from a coaching perspective, it's not just college basketball coaches that have taken elements of the Bob Knight approach and incorporated it into their programs. They're coaches all around sports. Now, some of them are old school. A lot of them are old school And that has had to go by the wayside or at least evolve in the more new school era than ever before in college sports. But take no better example at that than Mike Krzyzewski, who is a Bob Knight guy. 
and went down to Duke. I know there are certain night apologists who can't stand Mike Krzyzewski, but, I mean, look, it's pretty obvious that there are clear corollaries to both of those. And because of that, you have to take into consideration this particular truth, and that is Bob Knight did a lot for the game of basketball. He did a lot for instilling discipline in players, getting kids on the right path when they may not have gone in that direction, and was a visionary to the point that other coaches utilized a lot of his hardcore, you could call it, old school methods. But there is the other side to this as well, and that is, if you think I go nuclear on my computers, not the new one now, but certainly the old Thank one. Thank God you bought a new one. You know, plenty of people are saying that. I think you would have treated your old computer like the chair Bob Knight used to treat. You know, I think it's about on par with that. Yes, I think that's not too far-fetched, Trey. But Bob Knight, that was part of his legacy. He was viewed by many as a bully, and I don't think that's inaccurate to say that he would bully certain people. He had a godlike complex when it came to college sports and a profession rife with coaches who have that concept where I'll be nice to certain people, mean to others, but it's all based upon my subjectivity and how I choose to view a person. Never mind that I'm a flawed individual like everyone and therefore how I choose to view a person may not be the right way to view an individual. And Bob Knight's dismissal of Indiana was rather unceremonious And you could make a very compelling case that he was set up in that regard. But if he treated other people better, more consistently, outside of the realm of basketball, and was more consistent in how he treated people in the program and out of the program, then you're not getting yourself to the point where you've burned enough bridges that when you make a mistake and you're prone to make certain mistakes, people are going to look for that moment to pounce on you. And that's the truth of a guy like Bob Knight. I've never subscribed to this theory that once somebody passes, you can't speak ill of them because they're not here to defend themselves. Look, Bob Knight, like many people, had his entire life. In Knight's case, it's 83 years. But Knight had 83 years to shape how people view him as a coach and as a person. And there's a lot of good and a lot of bad, and it's as nuanced as can be. Something that is often challenging to find, especially in the world of sports media where it's encouraged to take one side and not the other and not see things for what they often are, which is much more multi-layered and complex. And if anybody embodies that truth, it's Bob Knight. Speaking of the truth, the truth is you're not going to find a better deal on tickets to see the Liberty Flames this coming Saturday against Louisiana Tech, 6 p.m. kickoff. Next Saturday, the 11th against Old Dominion, or Saturday the 18th against UMass. ODU and UMass games, 1 p.m. kickoffs. You're not going to find a better deal than what you'll get at InsaneRadioDeals.com. A pair of tickets normally, 70 bucks For you, $22.22. And yes, you can buy multiple pairs of tickets. If you have a family of four, just buy two pairs of tickets. If you have a family of six, buy three pairs of tickets. If you want to pick multiple games, buy tickets to multiple games. The offer is in place for all of them. It is first come first get at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, before we get more in-depth into NASCAR with Trey's colleague of FrenchStretch.com, Stephen Stumpf around 530 today in the fast lane, it is also time for us to get into the weeds. 
Let's get into the weed. <coughs> Smoke weed every day. Excuse me. Let's get into the weeds where we take a dive into different sports topics here on the Fast Lane. So NASCAR has obviously their championship four, and it's been set since what happened at Martinsville Speedway this past weekend. But if there was ever a statement to indicate how this unfolded, it comes from Martin Truex Jr., who was by far the best driver in the regular season. But I think it was Nick Tywalk, I believe, from FrontStretch.com who had the article up about how sad the playoffs were for Martin Truex Jr. And then this may be the worst playoff showing we've ever seen from a guy make it this deep but never do anything in the playoffs to actually show that he was a playoff caliber driver. This was it, which is why the Front Stretch audio of Martin Truex Jr., Possibly obtained by our very own Trey Lyle after it the was. race. It was. Good job. There indeed. You know, giving credit where it's due here in the fast lane, much like we'll do tomorrow. TV interrupted it, but yeah, it was it was there. But anyway, here's the gist of what Martin Truex Jr. said that summarizes his season and the drivers that actually deserve to make it to Phoenix running for a championship. Just one of those years. It wasn't our year, and uh, we gave it a hell of an effort. The car was really good today. Um, I think we were good enough to run second or third, but... I think Blaney was class of the field, so they earned that one. A speeding penalty for Martin Truex Jr. this time. There were shaft issues, tire issues, engine failures, just bad running and showing and setups. If you could ever find a scenario where a guy had so much performance in the regular season and didn't really seem to ever put it together at any point in the playoffs, I'd be very curious, and you're welcome to share that. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But Martin Truex Jr. was not wrong when he said it wasn't our year. And it set up another character, Denny Hamlin, his teammate for Joe Gibbs Racing, about what really happened to them. And first of all, Ryan Blaney won the race at Martinsville. Hamlin was up there, had a top three caliber car, but to his ever-loving credit, as honest as he is on his podcast and when speaking with the media, Denny Hamlin was equally honest when he spoke with Bob Pockers of FoxSports.com after the race, about the most superior car of the day not being his. He, he passed us, pulled away, won the race. It, you know, had nothing to do with pit strategy, anything like that. We did uh, a great job keeping us up front all day, and you know, we we passed all of them but a couple. And you know, one of them was definitely superior. One of them was definitely superior. He's referring, of course, to the 12 car of Ryan Blaney. That's what Denny Hamlin was speaking on after the race with Bob Pockris of FoxSports.com, and Hamlin elaborated as well. And something that, again, something to which I give him credit, the idea of lapped cars getting in the way. Because when Ryan Blaney had the lead and it was about 10 laps to go, and they did the camera shot of Blaney and the traffic behind him and the traffic that was in front of him, there were a lot of blue ovals that mimicked the manufacturer of Ryan Blaney's car, the Ford car, for Penske Racing. And when you get this deep into the season, there are manufacturers' orders and team orders that often come up at restrictor plate type tracks. You work with certain manufacturers as often as you can. You have certain strategies. When you're also in these type of spots, if you're not a playoff driver versus if you are, there are games to be played. And again, to his ever-loving credit, Denny Hamlin at least was not willing to go overboard and being frustrated at the lapped cars, but rather being up front that, look, that's all part of the game. No, and, and nobody was. I watched, I was watching them with all the guys, and, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of games getting played uh, with teammates, you know, racing certain ways, but that's that's their prerogative. They're allowed to do that, and there's nothing against it. So certainly it's advantageous for you to do that. Um, I mean, the only 
The only issue I really had was, you know, with Logano knocking out Ty there and knocking him Ty into me. You know, I just thought, you know, some more respect could be had there for guys that myself and the 12 are trying to earn a spot in the Final Four. Um, and, and I thought that, you know, we, we deserved a chance to race it amongst ourselves and not have somebody else in there knocking cars around. I think it's a fair point from Denny Hamlin. A lot of people view him as a bit of a whiner and a complainer. And in certain cases, he really kind of is. But he wasn't there afterwards. His frustration with Joey Logano creating the contact with Ty Gibbs that hurt Denny Hamlin's run early in the race. And again, Hamlin was admitting that you know, he had a top five, top three car, but he wasn't as good as Ryan Blaney. I mean, that's the candor. Look, I'll admit I appreciate it from Denny Hamlin. And it ultimately shapes the fact that he wasn't a car that was deserving of being in this. And it actually has less to do with his performance at Martinsville and missing a victory there and more what happened to him at Miami when they were in position to win that race late and made a crucial mistake late. Uh, there really wasn't his doing or his crew chief, Chris Gabehard. It was more the fact that the car just broke on them at the worst time. But you cannot have those failures this deep into the playoffs when the talent level is much greater and the teams that are competing with you to be in the playoff finale at Phoenix are also firing on all cylinders. Sometimes luck is not on your side and you know with the format getting a smaller and smaller sample size luck is a factor in it and when you have you know a mechanical issue like you had last week you can't afford that not if you're if you know you're gonna have to win in the round of eight or not have any mechanic you know mechanical failures or bad races and we had one and today's performance wasn't enough to dig out that hole so that's Denny Hamlin you're gonna have to either have a race with no mechanical failures or gonna have to win in the round of eight and it brings us to drivers that are deserving of getting in to the championship four and it's kind of cool this year because you've got Kyle Larson who won the race at Vegas Christopher Bell won at Miami Ryan Blaney wins at Martinsville you have three different drivers all playoff eligible all punch their ticket to make up 73 percent 75 percent to be exact of the final four at Phoenix so there's one driver left over and it was the William Byron ride the Liberty University car that was there and Give William Byron all the credit in the world because that was not the best day for him and for that car. And yet, he showed the ability to fight and win in that spot. And he's to be commended for that. Because if you're going to win a championship, sometimes winning a championship, you have to find a way to cobble it together when you're not at your best. And yet, you still find a way to maybe not win, but to achieve a good enough result they can get you the ultimate goal. And William Byron was able to do that. And as a competitor in other sports, I appreciate that. And also, it's something that drew the attention of Jeff Gordon. Frontstretch.com's chat with Jeff Gordon revealed that the president of Hendrick Motorsports and the four-time NASCAR Cup champion spent most of his race, understandably since Larson was already booked to Phoenix and the other two drivers of Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman could not go to Phoenix and race for a championship. But Gordon spent most of his day monitoring what William Byron did and found a lot of admiration to Byron showing championship medal. Unfortunately, I was watching the in-car camera of how much he was fighting the wheel. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot more than I think any of us were, were, were hoping he'd have to deal with. But uh, I think it just shows what kind of team they are to, to, and what kind of driver he is, you know, to... to to fight as hard as he did and, and not make mistakes because in those situations that's real easy to get frustrated get behind make mistakes and 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 take yourself out of it and they didn't they kept themselves in it and that's how they got him through shows a lot of ability and maturity that's jeff gordon speaking with frontstretch.com after the race 
on what William Byron showed in that spot. And he deserves, Byron does, all the credit in the world because he may not win the championship, but that answers a lot of questions because he's won multiple races. He's gotten to the championship four. It's somewhat... it's not quite like getting to the final four because in college basketball, you get to the final four and you have two chances to show what you're capable of. This is one race, but it shows a lot. And you could even hear it from William Byron when he spoke with frontstretch.com after the race. And again, as a competitor, I love this. The idea that he trains as hard as he does in conditioning, the mental coach, the preparation, because people and fans often don't see it and don't care about it. They just want results. But the reality is to get results in Sports and frankly in life as well, it's a lot of what you don't see in public that goes into it and when it pays off, even when it's not really your day, but you have the fight to perform well, you deserve to be as satisfied even as drained as William Byron was when he spoke with Trey and his FrenchStretch.com colleagues after the Martinsville race. You know, I, I train and do a lot of things to try to try to be better and um, I just had this issue both races here or I just couldn't get my head cool. And um, it was a, a really hard fought battle. Just just super thankful for my team. Um, my crew chief, Rudy, just knew what buttons to push to keep me in the game, man. We've had so many tough times together. And uh, when he took over the 24 car, just he believed in me and um, gave me all the tools I needed to, to go out and have success. And um, I'm just really thankful for him and thankful for the whole team. I mean, all the guys on the team believe in me. and. Um, we did all we could, and they deserved it, and we had a great season, and just would have sucked to not make it, so um, we dug in. Love the emotion from William Byron as he spoke with FrontStretch.com after the race, uh, but it's one of the cool things in sports is when you can get that type of hard work paying off, even when it may not feel like your day, you dig deep and find a way to make it happen. Speaking of digging deep, they just didn't dig deep enough, or maybe they dug too deep, and now they can't get out of their own hole in something that has now been officially confirmed a week or so ago, but we have not had a chance to address and pour one out. So Trey and I do that now to kick off the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. As first reported by Brett McMurphy of Action Network, the Bahamas Bowl will not be played in Nassau and the Bahamas as that construction, which happened way too late on the stadium down there, as dumpy as it may be, who really cares? It has prevented that game from being played in the Bahamas. So it will now be moved the Bahamas Bowl to the University of Charlotte's on-campus stadium December 18th. I mean, look, I've gone to Charlotte a number of times, as we know, for ACC football kickoff and men's and women's basketball tip-off as well as other events in the world of sports. But Charlotte is half as good as the Bahamas. It is the halfway stop if you fly ROA, Roanoke-Blacksburg Regional Airport, and go through Charlotte to the Bahamas. It is halfway there. It is half as good. So Trey, we pour one out for that particular nugget and keep our fingers crossed that Liberty might in fact go to the New Orleans Bowl as opposed to getting to go to the Bahamas Bowl in a year where that just doesn't carry the same level of meaning. Yeah, I've decided that uh, the only way I'll accept this is if uh, both coaches have to dress up like Charlotte head coach Biff Pogge, uh, which is a uh, cut-off, you know, sleeveless shirt, both at the neck and at the arms. So, uh, it, you know, Google that if you need to. 
Um, but that's the only way I'll accept this bowl game is both have to dress like the Charlotte football head coach. I mean, look, it's just not that good when just you imagine go from coach, you know, coach uh, Chadwell with his, you know, guns out, you know, flexing with a, you know, cut off shirt. I, I think, I think it's a great idea. Him and uh, let me name Mac. Uh, I don't know any Mac. Oh, I got it. Jim McElwain. He's been in the news, but a Mac coach. So there we go. I mean, we could put Jim McElwain in there, or your guy, Scott Leffler. The I was going to say, Scott and Leffler. then then we would check the sidelines to see if anyone's wearing recording sunglasses. I mean, we could have a rematch of the first game of the year and see if Coach Chadwell is still Coach Caldwell. Jamie uh, Caldwell coming from. Uh, hey. Carolina. Yes. Oh, the great stories that would unfold. Hey, Scott Leffler came through for me this week, so let's let's appreciate him. Hey, he did for you, Trey, and because of that, we all care in the fast. Shout out to Bowling Green. It's almost like having your entire fantasy football league discussion just thrown out on sports talk radio because everyone not involved with your fantasy football league really cares about your own fantasy football league. At least with our bets, people can play along and make fun at how ridiculous it is. Uh, And they can tag along and lose money, or they can go the opposite way and become more profitable. Number four. Back to NASCAR for a second is 2311 Racing President Steve Laletta has called on NASCAR teams to stop selling sponsorships on a per-race basis, saying it leads brands to undervalue certain aspects of a team's marketing platform. Theoretically, that's great. Is that likely to happen, though? Look at his own driver in Bubba Wallace here for a second, who has plenty of sponsors. One is a quick service restaurant. The other is an outdoor clothing company. He has different sponsors. Another With is a the shoe scheme brand. of the weekend. Yes. Just want to throw that in. And it even has shoe companies sponsoring that particular car, a Bubba Wallace. So No, that one sponsors Tyler Reddick, the co- shoe company. Okay, but they both use multiple sponsors because Tyler Reddick also uses a certain energy drink at certain points to sponsor. Smooth. This is very smooth by you. Yes. We're omitting the names of sponsors who are not paying money to get mentioned in the fast lane. I don't even mind owning it that I'm as petty as that comes in the fast lane. But here's the thing for Steve Lovato. If you think it's frustrating for you and your team, try being a smaller organization that's cobbling together as much money as possible. Asking a smaller organization that doesn't have the big coffers in the history of funds to do something that's in the best interest of the sport is much harder to do that. 2311 could try it. Their partner organization, Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick, Penske, those groups that are well-funded, they could all try it. But if none of them are doing it, it sounds as easy to say as possible, but much easier said than done. Number three. Clemson. They've tapped media consultant analysts to consult the ACC on the status and to, quote, further explore conference alignment options, end quote. The specific consultant is Chris Bovaca, who is related to Pete Bovaca, who is the Notre Dame athletic director, but before that was the head of NBC. You're going with a media consultant, which makes a lot of sense. But I am willing to say Clemson's probably going to find out realistically what Florida State found out as well. And that is, it's a lot easier being in the ACC than going to another conference as an independent and trying to put together a schedule, have the brand alliance, and oh, by the way, make the payments to get out of your prior organization. And therefore, that makes it much more challenging to put that together than you could have possibly imagined. And therefore, Clemson is going to stick in the ACC until it becomes much more financially reasonable to bail on that conference and try to go somewhere where they can have a chance to make more money and keep up with the bigger conferences 
in college sports. Speaking of Clemson, by the way, number two, four-star interior offensive lineman Easton Ware has committed to Clemson. Why is this relevant? He is the third commitment in the class of 2025. Why do we bring that up? Because he is the second commitment, along with Gideon Davidson, who will go from LCA to Clemson in their 2025 recruiting class. We will, of course, see both of them tomorrow night when LCA welcomes Jefferson Forest in our production of Jefferson Forest Cavalier Football, presented by TrostLaw.com, with a 6.30 p.m. East Coast Wings and Grill tailgate show on the Virginia's Talk Station app, 100.9 FM, and ask your smart speaker, stream WIQO radio. But for Clemson, my other question is, how is that organization even going to look after this offseason? Is Dabo Swinney going to want to step away because things haven't gone the way he's wanted and even though he makes 11 and a half million a year he has been upset at the idea of players making money oh the irony there and he won't embrace the transfer portal although at some point i think clemson folks may be glad that things bottom out and they are forced to go the route that tech is gone virginia is gone liberty you're, you're not even using the right right comparison for them that Alabama has gone, Georgia has gone, like Florida State, peer institutions and comparable yeah, recruiting programs. I mean, let's talk about teams that have won na- the other two teams that have won a national title in the last ten years. I like, mean, you can go that route if you want to be. Oh, a and national, LSU has used it too. So let's I include everyone. One hundred percent. If you want to go that route, like LA Clemson has, you absolutely have to consider that also. And number one on the Fast Five at Five. More on Clemson later with the Dabo Swinney conversation with, uh, if it was even a conversation, but with, what's his name? Tyler from Spartanburg. But one more to note when it comes to local sports. And we bring this up because you guys addressed this in the Foul Ball Area podcast, but Tunstall High School product, not far from here, and Virginia Tech baseball alum Joe Manaply. His team lost the World Series last night to the Texas Rangers four games to one. But he did become the fourth Hokie baseball player to advance to the World Series in the sixth time the Hokies had a player play in the Fall Classic. The other ones, you might be able to name them. I'll give Damian Salas of Virginia Tech credit for this. But Franklin Stubbs, I did not guess that one from the LA Dodgers in 1988. Johnny Oates, I remember him as a manager of the Orioles, but he went there with the Dodgers in 1977 and 78. And the most obvious one, the pride of Patrick County High School, a Cougar himself, Brad Klontz, who won a championship with the Braves and then lost another one in the 1995 and 96 World Series, respectively. Just a pretty cool nugget on the Fall Classic that we bring up in the Fast Five at Five-ish because it will not be very relevant for much longer. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, NASCAR at Phoenix. Somebody used boots on the ground there. Trace Colleague from FrontStretch.com will look ahead to it next here in the Fast Lane. Steven Stump of FrontStretch.com talking NASCAR. And then former UVA wide receiver and current analyst Ahmad Hawkins around 545.